0: Good morning, church. So I know what you're thinking. You know, it's cold outside, but it's not the day after Christmas, so why is the youth pastor preaching today? But, you know, we thought we'd give Andy the, the day off to gloat in his uh, victory yesterday. We didn't want him up here rubbing in our face today. So that's why I'm here today. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring God's Word this morning. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the first um, movie, it's not the first book, but The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we see where four children, right, Peter, Edmund, Susie, and Lucy get wrapped in this, this world of, of Narnia. They go through the wardrobe and, and it's snow everywhere. The, the great white witch has, has taken over and it seems like there's no hope. But the children soon learn about this great Aslan that is coming and, and to make all things right. They they didn't know much about Aslan, but as they hear people talk about him, and, and two of those people were Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, they're, they're talking about Aslan. And, and one of the children, Susie, says, you know, is Aslan a man? And, and Mr. Beaver says, Oh no, Aslan is a lion. He's the great lion. And you can imagine that the children's response, they're, they're a lion, and she asked, I'm rather nervous to, to meet a lion. Is he, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, oh, no, child, he's a, he's a lion. He's not safe, but he's good, I tell you. He's the king. So is God safe? Is he worthy to be trusted? It's kind of the same idea we ask when we go to someone's house and they have a dog, and, and you ask what? Does, does he bite? Right? Is, is it safe? Can I turn my head and, and be safe around this dog. We have a big dog named Moose, and, and uh, he, he's, he's very safe, but, but he's big and scary, and a lot of postmen kind of just leave stuff on the road, and, and that's it. They, they go on off and, and drive away, but when we see a new dog, right, that, that question, is he safe? Or like the great theologian Charlie Daniels said, and the devil went down to Georgia. By the way, pastor, you know, the devil went to Georgia. That's the place <laughs> apparently he visits in America, right? And uh, somewhere around Athens, I would suppose, right? But and the devil went down to Georgia. What does he say in the chorus, right? There's chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny does your dog bite. No, child, no. Is it safe? Is, is God safe? Today, is God worthy to be trusted? As we've launched this new vision as a church to live since, is God worthy to be trusted enough for us to obey him in that calling? So today, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, that's where we'll be talking about Abraham and the call to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. If you're familiar with the story, remember Abraham was an an old man, did not have any children, and and one day God comes to him in Genesis chapter 12 and tells him to to leave everything, and that through his name, through his lineage, that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And and Abraham trusted God, and he obeyed God. So today, as we dig into God's Word, we'll see this biblical pattern of living sin. But first, church, let's pray. God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the fact that we can trust it, and it's the way that you're speaking to us today. So as we read your word today, may you speak to us and meet us where we are and show us what it means to trust you and follow you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So Genesis chapter 22, we'll pick up and read the first two verses. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I'll, I shall tell you. So God comes to Abraham, and, and we have the privilege of having the Bible, having the narrator tell us that this is a test, that, that God is, is testing Abraham. So, what does that mean? For us, we, we know it's a test from the very beginning, but Abraham didn't know it was a test. He has this son that a few chapters before God blessed him with, that him and Sarah were in their old age, and yet somehow God promised that through their lineage, through his lineage, God would bless the nations. And and God makes good on his promise by giving them Isaac. And now God's coming to Isaac and, and testing Abraham with his son, Isaac, why would God test his people? We see throughout Scripture that, that testing is a good thing, that, that God never tempts us. He never tempts his people, but he will test you and me. He will test his children, and, and testing serves multiple purposes in our, our journey with God, right? Testing, it reveals, kind of it takes the veil away and reveals our obedience. It's a, it's a measure. It kind of shows the authenticity of our faith. How, how legit is our faith? Do we really believe what we claim to believe? Any good football coach wants his team to be tested, right? Early in the season, you want your team to go through battle early on so you kind of see what you got, know where you need to get better, and, and kind of as a measuring stick, testing is a, a good thing. It strengthens our faith. I've seen time and time again in my own life of, of God's testing and, and the purpose that it serves. I remember as a, as a child and when I lived with my dad, there was there was nights, to be frank, that didn't know where we were going to sleep that night. We were just go on people's porches or people's homes. Hopefully they would let us in and not know where we would live and, and having nothing but, but trusting that God was going to provide. Or I remember even when I was a little bit older and my life kind of stabilized a little bit. There was a few times where I thought I was going to lose everything in my life for various reasons. In those moments, I would get to my knees and beg God to do something, to, to work. To, and only he could, could do something. But those tests have strengthened my faith like as gold being purified by fire, where now I've seen God provide time and time again in the past. So now, why would he not provide for me in the future? Because I've seen him come through time and time again. And for you, that's the purpose so many times that God tests us to, to purify, to strengthen our faith. So as we embark on this journey of living sent to trust him, the tests serve to strengthen us. To prove that we are what we say we are and allows us to to trust him more. So through this scripture, we see this, the biblical pattern of living sin. What does that mean? What does it look like for us as now a church to live sin? To follow Jesus and invite others along beside us. We see this pattern and the first kind of thing that we see is that it's God who calls. God calls in these first two verses. God is calling Abraham in this test to, to reveal his obedience to God. To himself? Would he trust God? And this is a miraculous thing that we see that for Abraham, he's gonna to have to offer up the promised one, the, the one whom God promised him and God came through on his promise, and now God wants him to sacrifice his his son, his only true biological son. What is he gonna do? Will he respond faithfully in this test? So we, we see the calling here for, for Abraham. God says, Take your son your only son, whom you love. And it's this kind of threefold kind of pattern of intensifying as it goes. We see this mirrored in Genesis 12, the initial call to Abraham, where God tells Abraham to, to leave his, his country, his kinsmen, and his father's house. So it intensifies as it funnels inward to trust him. And Abraham trusts God. He, he goes to a land that God would, would provide and now we see the, a calling again on Abraham's life, to take his son, his only son Isaac, whom you love, and to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. God is calling Abraham to sacrifice the answer to his own promise. And now Abraham comes to a point where he must decide. Abraham must choose the giver over the gift in order for God to accomplish his promise. He trusts that somehow God's going to make good on his promise and he's going to choose to to trust the giver over the gift. The giver is better than the gift. The creator is better than the created. And Abraham chose to believe and to trust the giver over the gift, relying on God to make good on his own promise. Why would he not come through on his own promise? He's putting it back onto God because he knows God is faithful. So he calls Abraham to follow them. The first pattern we see of living sin, is God who calls. After that, after God calls, it's our job now that we respond with obedience. We see that in verses three through nine. Let's pick up and read there. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So when God calls, our response should be to respond with obedience. This is what we see from Abraham here. He responds with obedience. God calls Abraham, and the next day it says he arose. So we've been going through on Wednesday nights with our students in the book of Jonah, this the calling of Jonah, and we see in the very first verse that, that God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. He says, and he actually says the words of God says, Arise, Jonah, and go to Nineveh. And, and then it says, Jonah arose, but he didn't go to Nineveh. Instead, he chose to go as far away from God as possible. He went down to a ship that was headed to Tarshish. So he was disobeying God. And then in, we know that you know, the, God sent the storm in his mercies, and, and the sailors were asking what was going on, and finally Jonah wakes up from his slumber and realizes it's his fault, so they throw him over the boat, and then in God's grace sends the fish to swallow Jonah whole. And in Jonah's prayer, he asks for repentance and and. Thanks God for his grace and his mercy. Then in chapter 3, when God commands the fish to spit Jonah out, very first verse in chapter 3 says, Jonah arose to go to Nineveh. Finally, he was responding in obedience. So here when God calls Abraham, what does it tell us? It says he arose the next day. He, he put action to his belief. He responded to God's calling. He arose and, and went and started preparing for the journey. And he took the two men with him and he took everything he needed for the offering. And he prepares everything. Then in verse 5, they they get there. And I I love this, that Abraham tells the two servants to stay there with the donkey. And him and his son was going to go up to the mountain and worship God. And they would return, both of them. So Abraham, responding in obedience, trusting the giver, not the gift. He believed that somehow, some way, he didn't know how, but God was going to provide a way. Actually, Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith tells us that Abraham believed that even if he had to kill Isaac, that God would somehow raise him up from the dead. That he put all his trust in God to fulfill His own promise to him, and so he was believing. He he prepared everything and said, "We're going to return." He believed. He trusted and obeyed in obedience. And then Isaac, he's the one that the wood is placed upon, carrying the the wood for his own sacrifice. So this tells us that obviously Isaac was, was strong enough, was old enough, big enough to carry the wood for himself. So he most likely was a, a mid to late teenager. And so we know if he could carry the wood himself, he was strong enough to, to probably beat up on his own old father. right? He, he was obedient the whole time. Abraham is tying him up, wrapping him up, putting him on the altar. Isaac could have easily fought loose and, and gone free, but we even see the example from the son That Isaac was obedient to his father the entire way. He trusted his father. And his father was trusting the ultimate father to provide everything that they needed. So Abraham is responding to God's call with obedience. He follows through. They go all the way to the top of the mountain. And he's preparing everything for the offering. So Abraham's not cutting corners. He is responding with obedience to God's calling to him, and he's going to go all the way if that's what it takes to be obedient to God. So God calls, and then we respond in obedience, and then ultimately we see at the ending here, it is God who provides. Let's read verses 11 and four, through 14. Excuse me, 10 through 14. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So verse 10, we see Abraham kind of the, the climax of the story. He has ultimately been obedient the, the whole way. And now here he is with his son and everything's prepared for the offering. And you can just kind of, kind of see it. it's almost like a movie, just building and building to this very moment. It really reminds me of, of the movie Titanic. The Titanic, because we, we know it's gonna, how it's going to end. Right, have you ever seen the movie Titanic? The whole time, we know that the great boat is going to sink. And if I just ruin the movie for you, I'm sorry. You've had like 20-something years to watch it, and you just, it's past that time. But it doesn't take away from the moment, right? The, the movie's just amazing. The drama unfolds of this great ship sinking you know, and I'm kind of the person I don't really like watching movies or reading books that I know the ending already. You know, it kind of ruins it for me. It's why I didn't like The Passion of the Christ I already knew how it was going to end. You know, and uh, spoiler alert: Jesus rises, rises from the grave. He didn't stay dead. And um, just kidding, it's a great movie based on a great book, and um, I recommend, highly recommend. But we know how it's going to end but it doesn't take away from just feeling the drama in the moment of, of Isaac, the son, laying on the altar and, and here's the father holding the knife and you can just imagine his hand just shaking and, and waiting and pleading for God to do something. Now, here's the moment. I'm gonna be obedient, God. I trust you, but you have to do something. And we see that God provided, that the last second, that the, the angel of the Lord calls out to him and says, Abraham, I, I know you, you passed the test. I know you're obedient now. And he provided the ram Caught in the thicket. God provided. When God calls and we respond in obedience, God always provides what we need to be obedient to Him each and every time. He provided the sacrifice, He provided the ram. And talk about a worship service. Remember, this is a worship service that I, Abraham said, We're going up to the mountaintop to worship God. Anytime there's a sacrifice, it was a worship service. So imagine the, the feelings, the emotion going through Abraham that he thought he was going to have to kill his own son, and yet God provided. And perhaps better than that, think about the emotions of Isaac. Think about what Isaac was feeling, what he was thinking, that he saw his father about to in his own life, and yet God provided Imagine him seeing his father now take the knife to the ram and Isaac's just emotion of, that should have been me, right? That death was supposed to be my death. That, that's worship. That's how me and you are called to respond in worship. That's why we seen these amazing songs about our God. How great is he that Jesus paid it all, that his death was supposed to be my death, but now because of his life, we have life. That's what we celebrate in baptism. It's the beauty of it. That's worship. That's why we worship. That's how we can worship. When we see the man up on the cross, we say, that was supposed to be me. And yet, God provides. Every time God calls and we respond in obedience, God is faithful to provide all that we need. And Abraham believed in God's promises. and He believed that God was going to provide a way. And all he needed to do was trust him. So the question for us, church, is will we trust him? Do we believe that God is safe, or do we believe that God is worthy to be trusted? Do we believe he's worthy to be followed? This new calling for us as a church, it's not a new calling. It's been the calling for the church throughout history, but our new vision of living sin. Will we trust him enough to step out in obedience and say, just as Abraham, here I am, God? Will we arise and, and follow in obedience? Let our faith take action, it's time. If we believe that God is calling us to live sin then it's time to stand up and to trust him. So do you believe God is a sending God? Do you believe that God has a mission that he is accomplishing through us? That he has come to seek and to save the lost? In John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The verse right after that, John 3, 17, Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but they might live through him. That's what Jesus has done. And that's what he's sending us. Because God is ascending God. It's, it's what he has done throughout history. God sent Abraham to a land that he would show him. God would go on to send Moses to the Egypt to let his people free. God would send prophet after prophet to call his people back to him after their disobedience God is sending God, and he would go on to send Jesus to die the death that we deserve, to pay the ultimate price that we didn't have to pay because of the blood of Jesus. And now because of his obedience, we can obey. Because of his life, we can live. Because of his death, we no longer taste the sting of death. Praise be to God for what he's provided for us. He's provided all that we need to live sent, and he will continue to do so. When God calls and his people respond in obedience, God will always provide. What is he providing? Everything. He calls it here in the end of Genesis 22. says he named the place Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yireh. Kind of our English and Latin and Greek, we've kind of taken it to be Jehovah Jireh. But it's God provides. That's what Abraham named the place. God always provides. And I love the fact that the Hebrew actually says, it doesn't say provide. The Hebrew is God sees. And I love that. I mean, it's, it means the same thing. But God is not this distant God off in the universe that's just kind of made the world and wound it up like a clock and just leaving it free to, to play out the way that it does. But no, God is, is here. God has come Emmanuel. At Christmas, we celebrate God with us in Jesus Christ, that God knows how we feel. God has experienced pain. He's experienced hurt. He knows what it's like. He sees our needs. He knows, and he provides. God always provides. Jehovah, Jireh, that's what we have. And so if we're going to live sin, if we're going to be obedient to God all the way through to live sin, we have to trust that he will provide. Maybe for you it's, It's knowing that if you have this conversation with your coworker, it could could go south really quick. You don't know how they're going to respond. But God's going to provide what you need to know. God's going to bring to your head what you need to say in those moments as you trust him. Maybe it's trusting your child off to college or off to a mission trip. Trusting that God's going to provide, God's going to protect my child. God trusts you with my child. Maybe for you it's taking a step of faith and going on a mission trip for the first time. Maybe it's this act of every time that we give, every time we invest in the church, every time you serve, it is trusting that God, you're going to provide all that we need as I give up my time, my money, my commitment, my life for you. You're going to provide all that I need to be obedient to you. It's a trust. We trust him if we're going to live sin. That's the only way we can accomplish it. And it's necessary. Because for far too long, the church, I'm not just talking about First Baptist Church start, but the church in general, we've, we've just kind of sat by as spectators, right, expecting and waiting on God to, to send people. Like, we see the world, we see the tragedy our world is in, and we pray for God to do something when he's sending us. We're what he's called to go and to accomplish his, his mission. How can I say that? Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission Right? Jesus, is, some of his last words to his disciples, he says in verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, always to the end of the age. There it is. God calls us to go make disciples As we respond in obedience, he promises to provide. He promises to be with us the entire time. He's not leaving us alone to respond to his calling in our life. And that's the the peace that we can have as we respond to God the way that he's calling us to. So will you trust him? Will you say, God, here I am. Send me where you send me. Here's my calendar. You schedule what you need to schedule. Here's my checkbook. Here's my family. Here's everything I am. I trust you with it because I know you will provide. That's what we have in his word. Jehovah Jireh. Can God be trusted? Of course. He may not be safe, but he's good. Let's pray. God, We praise you just for who you are, the fact that you never change or the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So as we see throughout Scripture how you've provided for your people and you always provide for us everything that we need, in this moment in time as we prepare as a church to take the leap of faith, to, to live sent, to use our life just for you in whatever capacity you deem fit, So God, I pray that you help us to trust you in that. As we hear your calling in our lives, may we respond in obedience to you. As we do that, we trust you to provide. We trust you to be faithful because we know you always are. So God, thank you for First Baptist Church Startville. Thank you for the saints who you've called to to trust you. So as we go and as we seek to reach the city of Startville and our community, our state, and this whole world, we do it in trusting You will provide everything we need along the way. So we we expect you to do great things. We eagerly anticipate your word being proclaimed to all that Jesus has come to provide the ultimate sacrifice. So we don't no longer have to be like Isaac looking for the lamb, but we can look to the cross and see the lamb that's been provided for our salvation. And you've given us all that we need, Lord. So today as we sing this song, we respond to you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know how God is calling you to respond this morning, but as you stand, we're going to close in a song. And maybe for you, God is calling you to respond to him for the first time. Maybe you've never put that faith in Christ and you've never asked his death to be your death and his life to be your life. Today's the day. Maybe you need to take the step forward in baptism. Say, God, I'm going to trust you enough to take this step. Maybe you just need prayer. There'll be pastors up front who would love to speak with you this morning as we respond to God's goodness and song.